I don't want to be a martyr. Nor I. I want to live. That is good. For believing what you do, we confer upon you a rare gift these days. A martyr's death. The cross commands you. The blood of the martyrs commands you. I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. All right, we are back to our Reformation march, I guess. I mean, I don't know how you really describe this as we go through martyrs. It's just kind of kind of a little historical jaunt getting you familiar with the people who are well who were important and thought these things important enough to give their lives over. So as a reminder, we are in Reformation Europe. And always realize this, because I know you guys don't care, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, the reason why we need the reminder so badly is because these come out week after week for you. It's been like three weeks since I've recorded one. <laughs> I'll, you know, do the research for them and, and, and record like two or three during the week and do that for a couple weeks in a row and get myself way ahead and then start to slack a little bit. So sometimes I actually forget where we were last and what we did last, so... What you're listening to and where I'm recording are sometimes two different things. So I know when last we left, I'd given you the uh, 1960s analogy for understanding Reformation time Europe. Now with that, there are some oddities about different nations. And part of the, the, one of the reasons why we have so much information out of England is because England had so much back and forth and printing freedom, so to speak, and also because they are separated from the continent, they are slightly immune to the overall wars and rumors of wars going on in Europe at the time. So to make sure you kind of understand if you ever do a deeper dive into Reformation England, and I do encourage you to do so, by the way, Henry VIII was a Catholic royalist who later became a Protestant royalist. Now realize that. So when he goes into the Church of England, he doesn't go in as some freewheeling ecclesial figure. He goes in as a royal absolutist. He wanted the papacy to annul a marriage. They refused. Therefore, he splits from the church. Not a theological argument, an authority argument. Now, when you move through forward from Henry... You get Edward VI, who is king afterwards. Now, he is a Protestant, not a Protestant royalist, but an absolute Protestant, meaning less concerned with royal authority, more concerned with Protestantism. When Edward dies, you get Mary. Now, that's not Mary, Queen of Scots. This is um, Bloody Mary, and I can never remember. One is Mary Tudor, and one is—and the name just went right out of my head. It just went right out of my head, and I don't care anymore. So. <laughs> so Mary, however, is Catholic. She is less of a royalist and more of a Catholic. Now, when Bloody Mary moves off the stage, you get Elizabeth I, who is a Protestant but is also a royalist. So she is much more concerned with her secular authority than she is with Protestant doctrine. It's one of the reasons why the English have such an uh, have a, have such a problem with separatism during her reign is there was no room for reforming the Church of England and even removing some of the vestiges of 
Roman Catholic, not only theology, but function, because Elizabeth saw a lot of that challenge to the vestments and sacralism of the Church of England, not as challenges in a theological sense, but challenges in a governmental sense. As the head of the church, <coughs> excuse me, she viewed her role to defend not just England, but to defend the church. And by defending the church, she saw that as an extension of defending her own power and authority. That's going to matter when you get moving forward if you ever try to study any of this. Now, who are we talking about today? John Hooper. So let's just try to make some sense of this. Uh, Middle Ages churchman, which means he is part clergy, part court official. This is just how everybody was at the beginning of the Reformation and even throughout the Reformation. Now, at some point in his ministry, he is converted by the reading of Zwingli and Bullinger. And by the way, <coughs> excuse me, I highly recommend... Heinrich Bullinger. I've actually um, read several of his sermons and writings. You would be blessed, if you're into that sort of thing, you would be blessed by Heinrich Bullinger. Just, just you know, as an aside. Now, because he's getting his Protestant influence from Zwingli and Bullinger, that means he has a lot of problems with the official church as he sees it. Now, as he's making his challenges, he is also making his escapes. So, Hooper's an interesting character because he kind of comes and goes with the wind depending on how the authorities are and, and who's in charge at the time. So he ends up in Paris, and then he makes his way back to England where he runs afoul of the officials during the uh, Church of England phase. So then he has to leave, uh, leave for Ireland and from Ireland escape to Switzerland. Now notice how I said Church of England phase when... Henry is in at the end of his life, you are having the burgeoning Church of England. Edward is establishing that, so there's less pressure on the bishops, but as Henry's reign comes in, there's a lot more pressure on the bishops to conform. When Mary comes in, you have a reversion from the top down into a Catholic nation. So during Henry, Hooper is on the run. During Edward... Hooper is able to come back and establish himself because he doesn't have as much problem with the official church. The official church under Edward is much more decentralized and much more Protestant in nature, much less Catholic in appearance. So during Edward's reign, he actually becomes a bishop. He actually gets an opportunity to debate and argue against the vestments of the pastors, the ceremonial garb. Always remember, the Roman Catholic Church has these vestments because they view them themselves not as pastors, but as priests offering sacrifice. In the Church of England, they were being viewed as bishops and pastors, as leaders and teachers in a church, not as priests offering a sacrifice. So the question becomes, if we're not a priest, why are we wearing a priest's vestments? That was one of the big things that pushes into separatism. Now, unfortunately for uh, Mr. Hooper here, Mary, uh, I'm sorry, Edward dies. He does not reign long. They try to get um, his his uh, cousin placed upon the throne. She ends up getting executed because she doesn't really have a claim to the throne. And Mary is queen. Now, when Mary becomes queen, persecution begins in earnest because you've had several years of a Protestant church with varying levels of authoritarian control. Now you are seeing the ascendancy of a Roman Catholic church that is attempting, in all honesty, open and outright, attempting to reclaim England for the Pope. 
I'm not even making that up. This is one of the things that is going to become the driving force in the wars of the 16th century between England and Spain is that it becomes a religious conflict. Another one of the reasons why Elizabeth moving forward doesn't wish to allow any foothold to the challenge against the Church of England. <coughs> Excuse me. Because she would she viewed that as partially treasonous and as undermining the cohesiveness of the English people and they needed to be united in order to put up a front to defeat the Spanish. Now with Catholicism back on the rise, Mr. Hooper is arrested and jailed. Now, during the process of this, he is also defrocked as a bishop. Remember, we have a Catholic system coming back online. Now, again, this is just interesting to me. <clears throat> the two main charges against John Hooper as to why he is defrocked as a priest, or in his case as a pastor, well, actually bishop, now that I say that, why is he no longer allowed to be a bishop? Number one, he denies transubstantiation. Always remember, this is one of those big ones that people like to forget today. The Catholic Mass is called an unbloody sacrifice. That is why the priest is a priest and wearing his vestment so that he can offer this sacrifice. In a Protestant system, he is called a pastor because he is not offering sacrifice. He's encouraging, uplifting, teaching, and training the brethren. He's making disciples. To deny transubstantiation is to deny all Roman Catholic authority. It's to deny the function of the bishop. It's to deny the function of the priest. It's to deny the authority of the pope as an alter Christus, another Christ, another representative of God upon the earth. That's number one. Number two, John Hooper's married. And remember, Roman Catholicism, you are married to the church, therefore you cannot have a spouse. Church of England comes along, Protestantism comes along and says, um, this is dumb. Peter, your first air quotes pope, had a wife. This is insane. Now, there's theological arguments beside that, but we're not getting into them right now. So he's obviously defrocked. He is offered a chance to recant, which he refuses, and after being in prison for the better part of a year and a half, he is sentenced to be burned. Now, <clears throat> he is apparently burned alongside a gentleman by the name of Brother Rogers, and they tried to hide Hooper's execution because he was a little well-known, but apparently word gets out anyway, so we actually get some testimony about um, some of the things that were said and what was done. And apparently upon one of their run-throughs being brought to, you know, recantation, brought to execution, brought before this or that, the um, John Hooper was following along behind the person who's going to execute them, and Brother Rogers, that's all I got for you, is a little bit lagging behind. He's, you know, a little bit depressed. He doesn't feel like dying today, which I can't say that I blame him. And John Hooper is quoted as saying, Come, Brother Rogers, must we too be the first to take this matter in hand and begin to set fire to these dry sticks? <laughs> nice metaphor. The dry sticks are not just the sticks that are going to burn them. The dry sticks are the false religion of Roman Catholicism in England that Hooper's testimony and Brother Rogers's testimony will set fire to to help solidify the church and the Reformation in England. So Hooper is tied to the post there. They light the fires. Unfortunately, these executioners are very, very, very bad at their job. Stop me if you've heard this before. It took John Hooper 45 minutes to die. 45 minutes. The concurrent testimony of the people who witnessed it, though, is that he died. You ready for this? Quiet as a lamb.
quiet as a lamb. Why? Because he did not fear them. He did not concern himself with them. He was not afraid of them. And the grace and mercy of God was poured out upon him so that he would endure the trials that he was set to face. Always remember that, Christian. This is part of the big lesson that you take out of this. You are fit for this world. You are fit to do ministry in this world, and you will be given the grace and mercy and power needed when it was needed and not a moment before. So continue to be faithful, continue to serve, and until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.